ladies and gentlemen, and all genders outside and in between. Welcome back to Thirsty Work, a tantalizing podcast talking about sex education in all types of dynamics. Today, my guest, Roll with Woo, is a glorious individual, and we're going to be talking about sex and disability. Hmm, it's Thirsty Work. Allow me to bring in my wonderful guest, Roll with Roo. Well, hello there, you spectacular bean. How are you doing? How's it going? Hello. I am doing absolutely wonderful. The sun is shining, and that always makes me feel good. And I am good. How are you? I'm glorious. The sun is not shining here. It is a grey and miserable day, but it makes me feel... Um, it makes me feel good in my little soul, I have to say. It does make me feel good in my little soul. It's that, that sort of dreary day where I can stand there mm. and look out the window and have... It looks like tears are rolling down my face. Very, like, in a music video. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. I was thinking more like like 1930s black and white cinematic. Oh, yes, mm. you know, the, the more Yeah, in like a robe. Oh, yes. Oh, and I have cup, many yeah. a robe. Of course. <laughs> of course, <laughs> naturally. What else would I do? What else would I do? But yes, it, I, I decided that I... Actually, do you know what, Rue? You were one of the first people that I came across when I started the podcast. All those moons really? ago. Yeah, because I was thinking when I was in the first stages of being like, right, I'm going to do a sex education podcast. I really want to cover certain grounds. And I had this big like chart available with scribbles all over it. And I was like, one of the things I really want to do is I want to sp talk about um, sex and disability because it's something that isn't talked about. It's not something that's... Um, really i mean it's got better recently but it's um mm. something that a lot of people don't think about and a lot of people choose to ignore foolishly um and Definitely. i was looking for different people to bring on and uh talk to about and that's when i discovered you and was like oh my lord this person is amazing they're very confident and um openly spoken about the way that they feel about things and bits and pieces and sex education uh we need to get you on um oh cheeky hitting the microphone we need to get you on the thirsty white podcast so um thank you very much for for agreeing to come on i really appreciate it oh no i'm glad that we could we could do this because i've been very excited and it's exciting to have a place to talk about sex and disability rather than just sort of screaming into the void that is twitter about it so ah, yeah the void <laughs> of twitter oh what a wonderful <laughs> place what a wonderful place do you do you find i mean i definitely sent you a list of things we might talk about but i'm gonna go completely off the ball there and um, do you find that go that is um something that you do struggle with is because i i'm very aware that um people in general will pay attention when it suits them and yeah yeah like the the idea because so, yeah. you you do an awful lot of um disability accessible stuff and talking about like places that are not accessible or you the way you've been treated as a disabled person um do you find that it gets to a point where you don't think people are listening despite how important the message of what you're saying is Definitely. And I think like social media has been a big help in that sense, because there's been so many times where I've been saying to like a company or an event and I've been emailing them behind closed doors being like, I couldn't access this and it's really upsetting and I'd like a refund or something like that. And I'd just get no response. But then as soon as I take it to Twitter and, and tag this brand and then people see it and then the brand has to listen because people are tagging them and and only then when it's sort of almost performative and they are held to account publicly they'll respond yeah. um which is very frustrating in in some senses but like 
it does the job it gets it done so yeah and then what's frustrating then is that you'll always get people commenting like well why are you talking about this online why not deal with this privately and i'm like i've tried <laughs> yeah but they, that is the thing is that the amount of places that only will only be held accountable if it's publicly accountable and that's mm -hmm. so frustrating because like you say it can come across as performative it can come across as like you're you're kicking up a fuss because you're in for the drama when it's not that at all. It's yeah. like you've tried the alternative methods and this is the only one that matters. This is the only yeah. one that seems to have any kind of effect, you know? Yeah. That's how that is outrageous. Ah, ah, that yeah. boils. Do you know what? It's, it's one of those things we, we were just talking as well a second ago about the fact that you don't, there's so many things that you don't see until it's directly in front of you. And you've been a massive influence on that. And I see that One True Cripple is in the, the live recording chat here, um, who was in our first season of Thirsty Work, um, talking about sex and disability as well. And it's only really since being part of this online community that like so many things that I have completely taken for granted have become apparent to, to me. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh my God, this is awful. We need to, we need to do something about this. We need to shake it up and, and what have you. And little things that you just don't think about until it's put directly in your face. Do you do you find that a lot that you're opening people's eyes a lot? Um, I'd hope so, but I think like it's interesting because I became disabled. Like I started mm. getting symptoms. I mean, I was born with it, but I, I started getting symptoms when I was about 16. So I lived like the first sort of quite crucial part of my life, my childhood, without a disability and then suddenly at 16 I had to sort of change my entire perception as things started deteriorating and and it is that it's that you don't think about it unless it's brought to you or unless you have to face it like head on and so I think that this is why I always say to like non-disabled people you should be following disabled people you should be following other marginalized people because there's it doesn't just apply to disability it applies to sort of any identity that's marginalized there's so many things that you won't think about because you don't have to experience that directly and the main way that you're gonna learn about that is by listening to people that have those experiences yeah and that's that's the key listening oh yes. listening don't, is don't don't decide what people need actually pay attention to what they're saying it might be a case like I, I certainly have found myself um, in recent years being a voice that repeats things because I, I talk quite often about the fact that I am very privileged as a cisgendered white man. Um, and as a result, that gives me a lot of privilege in, in so many ways. And there's an awful lot of people that will listen to me more than people like yourself who are disabled, um, ethnic minorities, uh, LGBTQIA, like... Uh, individuals or trans individuals they'll mm. they'll listen to me more because of the fact that i'm a cisgender white man so i try to use my privilege to listen to what uh these people are saying and repeat their words just be like right, okay guess what these people said these things maybe we should pay attention because th instead of making decisions on their behalf you know it's yeah a hundred percent and i feel like i'm i i'm the same like i'm yes disabled yes queer yes don't know what my gender is but um i'm still very privileged i mean i don't f physically look disabled and like that can be a hindrance but also it can be a huge privilege um to be like almost passing um so i think that again uh like i 
do love to use my platform like almost like a megaphone for like the the people in especially in the disability community so like trans disabled people black disabled people that aren't always uplifted as much um because they got great things to say better than me <laughs> I wouldn't say better, but I would say, but re <laughs> specifically relevant to their situations that, that yeah. needs to be needs to be paid attention to. Because God damn it, the amount of people that decide that, that they've made the decision, this is what is best for you, and it's like, who are you to say that? Yeah, who, yeah, who because it never is. <laughs> no, 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 and I mean, this is a sex education podcast. Do you find, or have you found in your past? that has been a thing with partners is that they've made decisions on your behalf in that regard yes so i think like when it comes to like before like sort of having sex with somebody mm -hmm. a lot of people will assume that i can't have sex that's the main thing um and i guess that brings us to the whole reason of why i talk about sex and disability because the number one question i would get asked on dating apps is can i have sex like as an opener and no, I, not even how is your day just straight up no no i had okay this is the worst one this is this is the worst one so everyone grab your grab your tea okay I here had, we go <laughs> um a junior doctor okay this is what's concerning i mm. matched with him because i was like oh he's a junior doctor like maybe he'll be like more understanding boy was i wrong he the first thing he messaged was hello i have a question can you fuck because if not, I would not be interested in pursuing this. Ooh, and that's and I, I mean, that's that was my response. I was speechless, and I said, "I think you better reconsider your career." And then I unmatched him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's um, actually quite civil of you to say. Actually, if I'm completely yeah. honest, yeah, that's that's quite civil of you. Um, Okay, I mean, good. speaking of like, uh, we're gonna going on a bit of a tangent here because this is this is where my brain is going. Um, yeah. Speaking medically, like, is there what's your experience with medical people? Because I've definitely had things where I've had met some medical professionals who are phenomenal human beings, really pay attention to the needs of their patient and what have you. And then I've heard some absolute horror stories. Um, and I'm not somebody who needs to visit medical facilities very often. So um, what has your, your experience been? Evidently, in the dating scene, um, possibly less than ideal. <laughs> but... Yeah, clearly. I think it's, it's just, um, again, it comes back to things like privilege. I think because I'm white, that's been in my favor in terms of getting doctors to listen to me. But then because I'm a woman or femme presenting, uh, I've had severe medical conditions written off as hormonal migraines um, when actually my spinal fluid was leaking um, from my brain. So it's it's very much like, I think you have to learn to be a strong advocate. And that's why I feel like the disability community is so vocal because you have to advocate so much for yourself in your own body and your own life that then you're almost like forced into this like advocacy um in the community as well and it sort of gives you that those skills to sort of do that and to speak about that which can be really hard um but also yeah i think i think it's it's you either get doctors that are really great or you get ones that are really awful and it's very often that there's anything in between <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 
I mean, I, I always keep telling people that doctors are still human. They're still human beings, and therefore they can still be little dickheads. <laughs> and they can be just as much amazing, saintly people as they can be complete and utter waste of space. So it's and and it should never be a bad thing and this goes out to all of our listeners and watchers alike um it, it's not a bad thing to ask for a second opinion if you if absolutely not and it's not an affront to that doctor it's their mm -hmm. responsibility to make sure that they get everything right and they might be wrong they might be wrong um so let's and let's, you know your body best as well yeah. you know you know your own body so you're the expert agreed agreed entirely um, just don't Google every symptom because uh, no. <laughs> God, the amount of times that I've I've done that and it's like, oh, by the way, I should be dead. Um, no, no, this is just a, yeah. <laughs> a horrific hangover of sleeping in a bush after being drunk at 14 or something. I don't know, whatever the scenario. Um, the So tell me if, about your specific disability, just so that we're all aware of what the situation is there. So I have a connective tissue disorder. It's called Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, and it's a bit of a mouthful. So I'm going to say EDS because it's a lot easier. Um, I, there's, I think, 13 different types of EDS. I have a type called hypermobile type. Um, it causes, basically, my collagen is, like, stretchy, is really stretchy. So, like, all of my soft tissues are affected, and I get, like, dislocations. I get well, quite frequent dislocations. I get regular chronic pain like every day, chronic fatigue. Um, it can affect your like gut. It can affect your brain. It can affect your eyes. Like it basically affects all the soft tissues in your body. Um, and so that's why I use a wheelchair because it helps me sort of get around um, and have a bit more freedom. Um, and it also means that I have to reschedule things, which is why we've had to reschedule this episode. Um, but I think it's it's a very unpredictable disability. I think people call them dynamic disabilities where like one day you can sort of be slightly better and be more at your baseline and then the next day you can be sort of completely bedbound and unable to move. Um, so it's a very um, tough thing to live with, but I think like you do just live with it because you have to and I don't want to be sad all the time. So I just try and adapt the world to suit me because I deserve it. That yes. deserves to be in the world. <laughs> Wholeheartedly. Could not agree more. Could not agree more. And I think that that's something that's really important to say is that, like, as you said, you you kind of live with it because you have to. The amount of people that I've I've met, um, not just with uh, disabilities, um, but also, like, um, mental health conditions, um, also severe trauma conditions, and people turn around and go, oh, my God. Like, you're so brave. I can't believe you do this. This is amazing. You're so strong. And it's like, is it strength or is it the fact that I have no choice? Like, let's be honest about this. Like, it, you can't. You, you, you have, have to no do choice. It. Yeah. yeah, you have to do it. You have to make the most of what, what you have in in the situation. And and you do. And that's amazing to see. Um, it is inspirational. And I can fully understand why people are like, oh, my God, you are so strong. But the fact mm. of the matter is you don't have a choice. It's it's that's it. Yeah. End of story. You just, you just get on with it eventually. Yeah. I think uh, it doesn't mean it's not hard. And it is bloody hard even after like 11, 12 years of living with it. It's really mm. fucking hard. But I think you do just adapt because we're human and that's what we do. Yeah. And and on the note that you said about like rearranging this uh, podcast, like at the end of the day, it, it, it is, this podcast, as much as I love it and as much as it is my little baby, it's not worth putting people through 
any extra stress, extra problems and bits and pieces. And I want a good quality podcast with a good quality conversation. I'm not going to get that if you, if your disability is causing you an issue. Do you know what I mean? So um, yeah, definitely. Word to all those people out there that uh, that, that turn around and be like, mm, you know, this is still going on. Of course it's still going on. It's a disability. Give them the fucking yeah. chance a day. Jesus Christ. Anyway, I get really oh, frustrated. Oh, you're still in pain? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, you're still in pain after all this time. Oh, yeah. Oh. Who'd have thunk it's, it? Was, it's called you know. chronic for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, okay, so back to, back to like, like you were saying about like dating and, and bits and pieces. Is mm. that, have you found that the disability or, or people's perception of your disability has affected the way that they treat you? Definitely. I think it's really difficult dating with a disability. Um, I'm, I've, yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult. And I think a lot of my past relationships, I've really struggled with the sort of like partner carer dynamic, mm-hmm. um, where I've sort of had people that are able-bodied that want to look after me to a point that's damaging to me almost. Um, and then on the flip side of that, when it comes to things like sex, um, uh, there's there's times where I've had like a hip dislocation during sex and it's painful, right? But like, it's also just like part of what it's like to have sex with me. <laughs> um, so I'm used to it, but then partners can sometimes be like, oh my God, I'll stop, I'll stop. And then they like, will be too scared to like do anything else. And like, just because sex might look slightly different for disabled people doesn't mean that it's any less valid. And this is something that I talk about quite a lot is that like, Sex is so broad, like it's such a broad spectrum. It's not just like the traditional heteronormative, like penetration perspective of sex that that is often portrayed. And disabled people, we have to get creative because our bodies, for example, dislocations, it, it can get in the way. So we have to be creative. We can use toys. We can even things like just literally just doing dirty talk and things like that when you're too tired or in too much pain like counts towards like disabled sex and i think a lot of people don't necessarily recognize that and i think that's why people are so shocked when they're like oh my god disabled people have sex because yeah we fucking do and it's great (laughs) yeah so i think like yeah and and i've had people in the past where i've been like oh let's let's do this slightly rough thing and then they'll be like oh but i don't want to hurt you and i'm like listen i know my body like i know what i can and can't do um so that can be frustrating and then the other side of that is that people will be like say disgusting like sexual comments like things like oh yeah you'll be in a wheelchair when i'm through with you and shit like that and i'm just like oh yeah not not great (laughs) we will get on to that momentarily um yeah because uh, that I'm, I have no doubt that that is a can of worms that needs opened and needs talked about, but it's not going to be a nice one. <laughs> it's not going to no, be a nice not. one. Um, so in regards to like the the you're saying like partner versus carer side of things, that that mm-hmm. overprotective nature of you, and I suppose there's also that that dynamic. Uh, I, my brain's going a little bit too fast here. Um, so <laughs> there's the the two elements because when you were talking about the the fact of like I know my own body, I know what I can handle and what I can't handle, etc. Mm-hmm. But I suppose there's also the element of you trust the person you're with enough to know that if something did go wrong or if something wasn't quite right, that they would stop. 
and that it yeah. would it wouldn't be a problem. Like, like safe words are there for a reason in like the fetish community exactly. and stuff like that. And it's like mm -hmm. that just because you, you just because you you have EDS or or other people with other disabilities and and what have you doesn't mean that you don't want to partake in the rough sex. It doesn't mean you don't want to have wild, passionate roll about the floor, maybe fall off the bed, um, coital engagement sessions. <laughs> it's just that, you know. I think, yeah, like what's really interesting to me, what I've found, and I would love to one day do a proper study on this because I think it's fascinating, is that so many people in the disability community are also in the kink and BDSM community. There is a huge overlap of people with chronic pain that engage in BDSM and kink. And I think it's fascinating. And for me personally, I find that it's, a way of being in control of the pain in my body. And I think it's fascinating. That's like I really do. Mm. And I've have spoken to a lot of other people that are sort of like in similar, like have similar feelings towards it. And like, I just think it's something that should be studied because it's very interesting and I'd love to write about it. <laughs> well, I was about to say one of the things that, that, I mean, we were talking just before we started the podcast about the fact that I run this, this, erotic cabaret fetish night mm -hmm. thing and one of the things that is often commented on is is how accessible it is and i was literally just saying to you earlier it's like we when we publicized ourselves as an accessible venue we had a couple of people in crutches come and then we had a wheelchair and then the last event we had three wheelchairs like people coming and it's like the amount of times that you don't see um disabled people at say kink events and stuff like that and then there's like a, a almost a surprise that they're at a kink event and it's like is yeah. it that they that they're not wanting to go to kink events or is it the fact that the kink event isn't accessible and therefore they can't and mm. it's that that dynamic but again it is going back to what we were saying about not seeing things unless it's in front of your face mm. i was not aware of the need for it until i was a streamer on twitch and until people in my community who have disabilities were like oh i'd love to come to that what are the accessible venues what are the what's the do you have ramps everywhere do you do these things and i'm like oh mm. jesus i never even realized there was a need for it because here's me sat in my wonderful world of obliviousness until somebody points it out to me and it's like oh shit right okay yeah like let's do what we can let's let's see what we can do in that regard you know mm, definitely and i think like it's it's definitely not that people don't want to go because I mean, we've like me and my partner have looked for like clubs or like um, things like that. And there's just so many where you email and you're like, are you wheelchair accessible? And they're like, no, we're up a flight of stairs. And it's like, oh, okay. But, and this is, it just feeds into that idea that disabled people don't have sex because they're not physically able to access these spaces where sex is being represented, I guess. And it also, is, mm. I mean, I suppose it also comes down to, it's like, they're not, able to do it but it also makes them make i can imagine it makes you feel not welcome 100 percent, yeah yeah and there'll be t there'll be things where it's like oh yeah we we don't we have steps up to the entrance but you can go around the back uh through the service entrance and you have to go around by like all the bins and stuff and it's horrible and it makes you feel really small like having to go in a separate entrance that's like really dingy and dark and it, it makes you not want to go even more because you're like well we're just an afterthought, I guess. Yeah. Well, I, I remember working with venues in the past where I've I've asked about accessibility. I've asked about like, okay, what are the, what's the situation here? Like, can we do these things? Right. Okay. What about wheelchair access? And they've just been like, oh, well, if somebody comes in a wheelchair, we'll just pick them up and carry them up the flight of stairs. And I'm like, do mm -hmm. you know how demeaning you are? Like that is. Yeah. 
yeah. yeah. What? Like, mind blowing to me that 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 would even be a concept. So you would just be like, oh yeah, yeah, don't worry, we'll just pick them up. You know, like the equivalent would be okay. You see, um, somebody who's shorter than you that's reaching for something, and instead of like picking it off the shelf for them or asking them if they need help, you just pick them up. There you go. There you go. Exactly. Exactly. And it's the same thing with like people moving wheelchairs and like moving someone in a wheelchair without their consent and stuff like that. Wheelchairs are basically our legs like my wheelchair is my legs and so if someone's touching my wheelchair without my consent that's touching a part of my body and it's it's horrifying <laughs> yeah i can i can imagine it is um yeah I, I just i get flabbergasted by the way that people treat each other um but i've become more and more aware of the way that people treat uh people with disabilities mm. um and and it's it's always shocking to me, but it, I'm really happy that people like yourself exist who are openly turning around being like, this is a problem. This isn't a, a, an, all, an all right situation. Here we have some issues um, with these venues or these places or these people or what have you. And then also on the other side of things, also turn around going, by the way, we have sex and that's perfectly normal. It might not be the same dynamic of sex that you have, but it's still perfectly normal. And the sooner you get around this round in your head, the happier everyone is. You know, do you feel yeah. that it is going that way? Do you feel that that with the advent of social media and um, content creation that it is progressing? I think that, that it's definitely in the last, I would say, few years, there's definitely better representation. Like, I always think back to um, the TV show Sex Education where they had a uh, person in a wheelchair and they had a sort of sex scene Um and I just think it was done so beautifully. And that was one of the first times where I saw sort of disabled intimacy and that be portrayed um, on sort of like really popular mainstream like TV. Um, and it made me emotional because I was like, I don't see this representation. And I mean, the next step to that is showing queer disabled sex. But I mean, that's maybe too scary. I don't know. But like say, that sort of representation is still yeah. very limited well it's it's i think it's steps at a time really for a lot of mm. the scenario it's it's like um the the show oh, i don't really want to give away spoilers in case people haven't seen it but the the show um the last of us has a very uh, interesting episode with a homoerotic relationship or homoromantic yeah. relationship and um it's honestly one of the most beautiful pieces of TV that I've ever seen. And people are still complaining about it. People are like kicking off and being like, oh my God, you, how dare you have this level of things in front of my face and there's children so that are seeing this. And it's like, of course there's children. There's nothing that you are seeing there that you don't see in a heteronormative dynamic on most mm -hmm. TV shows. Why, why are you kicking up such a massive fuss? But again, mm -hmm. it's that whole increasing it to like it it kind of has to go through the shock value on tv it's like yeah. step by step okay here's here's the here's the outrageous thing that everyone's getting freaked out by the more we do it the more it becomes normalized and then it becomes steadily but surely and it's all fine and then the next step is queer representation with people yeah. disabled people and um yeah that dynamic it's it's walking step by yeah. step oh my lordy and I think it does start with, well, a lot of it starts with media because that's where we've been taught that 
disability as this undesirable thing or like that disabled people don't have sex because it's not represented. And I think that the lack of um, representation that there is and also the lack of teaching in sex education about disabled people, that informs society of this like skewed perception. And that's why people act this way and say, oh, can you have sex? Because they've never been exposed to it. Yeah, no, I never even really considered that, but it it makes sense. It makes sense because mm. you do get we do get exposed to so much. And let's be clear, it's not great in the best of times. The concept of no. foreplay is lost in Hollywood. Um, oh. So, like the yeah, that's a really interesting concept. Have you, have you? Okay, so let's let's talk about your experiences in that. You you your disability because you say you were you were born with this uh, with uh, EDS. And it really mm-hmm. came prevalent in 16 years old, which is like the height of hormones, hormones and yeah. <laughs> all of that jazz. Like, what was your experience discovering that and adapting to that? So I had a my first boyfriend who, nothing bad to say about him. He was really, really lovely, which is, I'm very lucky to have had that experience because we got together before I became disabled, like before I sort of, had severe symptoms and we were together for a little bit afterwards we ended up breaking up for things that were out of our control but um it was almost something that we were sort of like learning together and obviously because those hormones and stuff were there and because we'd had this trust sort of prior that we'd built um it was nice going through it with someone i was very lucky it was more after that relationship that i sort of started having struggles i think because i picked the wrong people maybe (laughs) but um i think i I do think that there is a vulnerability when you're disabled um and dating or seeking partners or in a relationship there is an added vulnerability which can be very scary um and i think that is also sort of informed by people not having enough awareness i guess yeah in what context so for example because someone may have never been with a disabled person before Mm. then they think that they need to act a certain way or need to rather than sort of like we were saying earlier listening to someone's needs because they know best sort of because they haven't had informative sex education um they might make assumptions or do something that someone's not okay with things like that and because you're disabled and you can't necessarily um say for example you're relying on someone you live with someone your partner and you're relying on them for like things like meals and stuff like that then it adds like another layer which can be very very hard i've gone off on a tangent but yeah no, it's, it's all right. That's what the entire conversation is about. <laughs> I love tangents. Tangents are great. But uh, I suppose, okay, so does that... Oh, well, I had a question and it's it's gone. <laughs> um, the So the dynamic of, like, I suppose it, it really comes back to what you were saying earlier of, um, like, partners being like, oh, no, oh, no, I I'm not sure, and, like, being overprotective. Um, mm. And I suppose some of that will, will come into that whole dynamic of the vulnerability side of things because you are a human being who mm-hmm. likes to who is able to make choices for themselves able to decide where your own boundaries are 
and those boundaries should be respected. But that doesn't mean that you're not going to like ask for help if there's something you need mm. help for. Um, yeah. Was that an in, because I know that the, the vast majority of the human race struggle to ask for help. Was that quite a learning curve growing up with EDS and learning that it's okay to ask for help and that kind of thing? Yeah, and I think it's something I'm still learning. <laughs> I think it's something okay. that as humans, we all sort of are learning to do every day. It's, it's, it's something that a lot of us have to practice. And I think especially when you're disabled and you, you, you are, there's quite a lot of times that's likely where people have made you feel like a burden um, or have sort of got frustrated when you can't do something and then it sort of, can be really hurtful and can really stick with you. Um, so I think that it's definitely something that you have to learn to do. And I, I'm lucky because my current relationship, uh, my partner is also disabled. So we're kind of learning to do it together, which is nice. <laughs> That's so good. That's so great. I, I, you were streaming yesterday and I was like sat there and I was like, you two are the cutest. They're cutie patooties. <laughs> that you are um <laughs> it was cute <laughs> yeah but i mean to be honest with you that that actually became really apparent in our conversations in in organizing this podcast because every single time there was a, a postponement for whatever reason uh, situations beyond our control and you were always you all thank you so much for being so understanding and i'm like oh why why wouldn't i be. like like that's my brain is just like well yeah this is a situation beyond your control why would i ever hold that against you but mm. to me it also says you've had situations a lot in the past where you've had to apologize for things that are beyond your control and massively and that blows my little mind i mean you, you know for well I've, I've banned apologies because people apologize for just existing and i'm just like yeah. No, not having that. Not having that at all. And I won't have it from you either, Rue, all right? Situations mm -hmm. in the future, all right? Yeah. Things I did slip up world. once, I think. <laughs> and I was like, you know how I feel about apologies. Yeah. Confound thee. Confound thee. No, but every time I go to apologize now, I feel like I hear your little voice in my head like, don't apologize for good. that. I am and very I'm like, glad. Yeah, okay, good. There's one thing you can take uh, away yeah. <laughs> from my Yeah, existence. no, there's definitely been, oh God, so many times. I mean, even recently, like, like, and it happens a lot with friends who then you find out aren't really friends. And it's really hard. It's it's devastating. You can lose people that like you really care about because they don't quite understand or they get frustrated for something that's out of your control. Um, and so that's, yeah, that can be really difficult, definitely. So I think, yeah, <laughs> it, it sticks with you. <laughs> I can imagine it does. And to be honest with you, like, again, talking back to the, the sexual dynamic, um, does that happen in the mm -hmm. sexual dynamic? so much um the, oh, for those like, people that are listening to the podcast the cringeworthy face that rue just filled <laughs> just the absolute it was like you just bitten into the sourest lemon i was like wow this is okay here we go let's talk about yeah. this all right i mean there's so as i mentioned i've dated a lot of not very nice people mm -hmm. and um there's been so many times where I've sort of been in too much pain to have sex and things like that. And that then will get used against you. And they'll be like, well, you don't care about me. And I'll be like, well, this is, this is not a relationship. And now I can see that obviously. Mm. Um, but when you're young, I think um, you do then feel guilty. And there'll be times where like, I've been in a relationship and I've sort of not been able to go out or something where we plan to do something. And then that like someone will get, 
shitty with me about it. And it's just, it does, I think, especially when you're like 18, 19, that sort mm. of thing will will stick with you. And that's why now, 10 years later, I'm still still struggling with it, I guess. Well, I mean... It's, Better it, than I was, though. Yeah, it's always good. Always good is the improve that we all like to do. But I suppose it's it, at the end of the day, it's trauma. It, it's yeah. traumatic to to be in a position where you are especially when it comes to intimacy you are making yourself mm -hmm. so vulnerable and as you mentioned earlier like being dating as a disabled person is more vulnerable in and of itself because of the the situations that you are in mm. um yeah to make yourself in even more vulnerable in an intimate dynamic and have that play against you that that shit like you say it's, it sticks with you but that that's mm. wild that is that is really yeah. wild to me that I don't know. Like, I I just despair for the human race sometimes because I'm like, why? Why it doesn't take much to be like, okay, yeah, this is this is a bad situation for them because they want to do something but they're not able to do it, and yeah, that should be like they're they're gonna you're gonna feel guilty about that anyway, as is evident yeah. by uh, us trying to and organize. And sad because you want to yeah. do it, so yeah, yeah. yeah. And there is that obviously the the dynamic. I suppose it's. Um, there's a thing called sexual non-concordance, which is um, mm. where your brain and your body don't align. So um, a lot of the time, the, the examples that are used are like when somebody with a vulva is really up for sex, but they need like lubrication because their their right, body is yeah. not providing the, the, the or the, their vulva hasn't got the signals yet being like, okay, we're in the mood, mm. let's go. Um, and that's that's sexual non-concordance where like there's there's a disconnect between what the brain is doing and what the body is doing or what the body is doing and what the brain is doing um, in some some of the darker situations that, that can come up there. But mm. um, yeah. I suppose that's, that's also kind of like a, a, on the same spectrum of that would be what happens yeah. with people with with disabilities where it's just like i am so game for what is about to happen but my body is not not having any of it <laughs> so true and i think that's such a like perfect way of explaining it and i think yeah i will definitely remember that. that's a little nugget that i'll take away because i think it's so true like there'll be times where like i'll be like so ready but like i've got ma major like shooting pains and spasms in my leg or for example and it's like well there's no way but i'm like well why do i still feel horny in this situation like i'm in loads of pain ruby stop it <laughs> oh, I, I mean i the only <laughs> level of comparison i can have and it is not a comparison by any stretch of imagination is but i i feel the horniest when i am the illest I like yeah. when I am when I'm full of lurgy or I've got some kind of horrible virus and I am just like, God, I could just oh God, it'd be wonderful if I just and it's it's I don't know. <laughs> it's weird, but it's, you so know, it's obviously common. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Friends, put in the comments. Um how have you been in that similar situation? <laughs> oh wow, that's amazing. That is amazing. That that's thingy. I mean, so in regards to that, like Okay, just so for for my understanding and the understanding of everyone that's that's listening, the in regards to EDS, it's it showed its symptoms at sixteen for yourself, mm -hmm. and then it sort of progressed. Did it just get worse and worse, or was it just like a, it hit all at the same time and just that was it? Um, I I it's sort of up and down, so it sort of leveled out almost by the time I got to uni, which was mm. when I was twenty. Um. And there's been other things over the years, like other health conditions that have been caused by my EDS that have been on top of that, that have sort of caused me to spend a lot of time in bed when I've been really ill, like waiting for surgery and stuff. So that's obviously where it's been 
worse than my like baseline i call it mm-hmm. um but i think at the moment it's pretty stable um which i'm not where i want to be but i mean it's it's manageable and i think that is i mean i've said that earlier i think you do just sort of manage it and it, it comes in peaks and troughs really um but i, I don't think it's something that necessarily is de- degenerative mm-hmm. um apparently some people say that it gets better with age but i don't believe that because i'm yet to experience that <laughs> yet to experience that but you're so youthful who knows it'll get fantastic and <laughs> Well, years it now. does give you good skin. So oh, my skin is good. very soft. And that's silver why linings. I look about 17. <laughs> yeah, all about those silver linings. That's what it's all about. Yeah, exactly. like, you know, that's fantastic. The reason why I ask is I was wondering about the dynamics that you've experienced in, in adapting when it comes to like sex and intimacy and relationships and stuff. Was it was it a challenge constantly adapting? Because um, you say it's been a bit of a roller coaster. You have your high, mm. your great days, and you have your bad days, and then you have entire periods of time where it's it's super shitty um, mm. to to go through it for yourself. It was it a challenge adapting to that? Definitely, and I mean, I think it still is as well. Like I mentioned earlier, my partner is also disabled, and so at the moment we're navigating that together, which is good fun. But um, it's. It's just something that I think is constantly adapting because no partner is going to be the same. So like as you are with different partners, like I think when even when you don't have a disability, you have to adapt to a different partner. And so I think it's just something that's almost added on to that, I guess, for me. That's kind of how I see it, I suppose. It's just as as an extra thing, you know, it it makes complete sense. Uh, Do you find that it is easier and um like having a partner who is on the same level like they they understand it on a level that many other people wouldn't be able to understand it massively i think it's been like and not even just in a sex sense i think it's it's been really eye-opening to me to have someone that that just gets everything and i think what's interesting is and i'm kind of outing myself a little bit here but what's interesting is that i not that long ago maybe about a year ago said to my partner now, who I was friends with at the time, I would—I don't think I would date another physically disabled person because I just feel like part of it was that I felt like I was too much work and would need a non-disabled person who could help me, again, playing into that carer dynamic. Um, fast forward to now, and like I'm in the healthiest relationship I've been in, and I think it's because we don't have that partner-carer dynamic and it's just much more on the same level and it's it's been really really nice to to sort of have that understanding i guess yeah do you think that that is like part of that old mindset that you had is because of the way that you've been treated in relationships up until this point that whole thing of you need a carer you need someone who is not Mm. also physically disabled because of that dynamic Is, is that like a an ingrained prejudice that society has put into your mind massively i think it's it was internalized ableism 100 percent, which is is like something that i mean everyone has this is this i mean even disabled people and i think like again it comes back to representation because i never saw like disabled disabled relationships and um quite often dis- disability when it's portrayed in media is either like really really pitiful 
um and like this awful awful thing um that like you need to be infantilized basically mm. or it's fetishized fetishized i always get caught up on that word <laughs> fetishized yes <laughs> yes thank you um and those two things i mean are even informing disabled people of their own perceptions of themselves and i think that's what i've been learning in this this current relationship is that that's you can just throw all them out the window um and i think as well like being online and being someone that does things online quite often i am i experience those two sides of things as well whenever i post things because i'll have people that are like Say So, for example, I post a picture in lingerie in my wheelchair, which I love to do because it makes me feel amazing. And it's also smashing those stereotypes that dis disability isn't sexy because that is the biggest lie that anyone can tell you. So I'm just putting that out there now that disabled Agreed. people are sexy. Um, and I will either get comments that are like, this is really unsettling. Like you're disabled and like basically like saying you shouldn't be doing this because, you know, like basically you don't have the brain capacity to to make these decisions for yourself and it's really unsettling that's a word i've had before and i'm like okay and then the other side of that is the the fetishizing of that which is like oh well like you can't run away or like oh yeah yeah just oh, just that kind of stuff and it's fucking back then that is mm, awful it's it's terrifying and i mean i've had to take down posts and block hundreds and hundreds of accounts because of things like that is where it gets onto like the wrong side of twitter and it can be really difficult i think and it's because of that that dynamic and i mean i could talk about representation well for for hours which i am been doing because i did i did my dissertation on it and i think because i do genuinely think that it's one of the ways that society is informed is through the media that's brought to us it's true. and so to have only narratives that are showing disabled people that are miserable with their lives and they hate their disability and they hate this part of them or that are like only there to sort of like be fetishized then of course that's what people are going to internalize yeah. yeah of course well i mean I've, I've talked about it for for many many like being a sex educator myself we talk about the fact that there was an in, oh there is an entire generation of teenagers who think that the standard thing to do after a sexual um situation is to come on somebody's face because mm -hmm. they no one's told them any different like the, mm -hmm. the sex education is so appalling nobody teaches intimacy nobody teaches um respect dynamics and so where do they go they go and learn it from mainstream pornography that yep. pushes that kind of dynamic and and they see movies that have got these things where it's like oh boom suddenly everyone's having sex and it's like what yeah. about the foreplay what about mm -hmm. the ridiculous giggles what about the yeah like uh, the the inopportune queef that happens and everyone has yeah. a little bit of a laugh together the cheeky I mean? fart <laughs> the cheeky fart like mm -hmm. it's it's those those things that make sex so unbelievably amazing um 100%. and it's still it's still one of those those situations where we still learn from media no people don't mm. understand what like i i was with somebody years and years and years and years ago where it was like a bit of a one night stand and they just didn't do any kind of foreplay and i was like what I don't, mm. you're taking away a lot of my fun i'm not okay with yeah. this i'm out bye see you later tatty bananas um, but I always think of um, Cameron Diaz in The Holiday 
when she says like about he says something about oh i don't like foreplay and then she's like no she says i don't like foreplay and he's like you're the most interesting woman i've ever come across or something and it's just such a like frustrating interaction to watch because it's just basically just dismissing this entire part of sex and i'm like why you're missing out easily one of the most interesting parts like i am i am flabbergasted when i find that people don't do foreplay i'm like how like why would you deny yourself that why yeah it's weird isn't it it's it's certainly strange to me i'm not here to to harsh on anybody's kinks if that's not what you want to do that's entirely fair neither are you Ru. i know i know what you're like but uh you're missing out <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh dear lord i mean okay so let's let's go down that that little route there the fetishization of mm. disabled people i feel like i talk about the fetishization of people a lot but it's only because I mean, I'm I'm very much into the fetish scene, um, and I am also becoming more and more aware. The more people that I meet, the more um, social dynamics I meet of people, whether it be disability, whether it be ethnicity, whether it be gender, the more I am finding out about the darker side of um, mm. the subject that I hold so dear. Um, is it as bad as I think it is? Is it as bad as I would suspect it to be? Yeah. I'd probably, I, I don't know, I'd probably say worse. It's awful. I think, and I think the main thing for me is that majority of the time when I see my disabled friends who are also content creators who work on sex education, who will post pictures in lingerie, things like that, Basically, the majority of time I see disabled people being fetishized, it's without their consent. And I think that's the main thing for me consent. that I find really hard. Yeah, I, I think the, one of the things that I've definitely found out, found out about fetishization, and I genuinely wish it had a different word because it kind of makes it feel like um, it, it makes it associated with fetish, which fetish is a wonderful, yeah. wonderful thing because 100%. consent is the forefront of the BDSM community. Yeah, consent is the forefront of, of the fetish community. Um, is the fact that fetishizations of people like with yourself with disability and um, pe- like people with race and stuff like that, it starts mm-hmm. with lack of consent. And yeah. a lot of the fetishizations that you've talked about today, you can't run away. Oh, by the time mm-hmm. I'm finished with you, you'll be in a wheelchair. That that mm-hmm. stuff is disgusting, and yeah. and like you say, it's it's it preys upon that dynamic of lack of consent, mm, massively, which is is terrifying. And yeah. again, like I think because we're not taught comprehensive sex education, you don't know if these things are like right or if they're normal or like yeah, you may feel uncomfortable by it, but you may be like, okay, well, this is just flirting and then you look back and you're like oh it's definitely not it's it's much darker than that yeah yeah no it completely is and and okay so what we i don't really want to to go too dark on this but (laughs) what are um people's reactions to the fetishization of like yourself with or, or people in general with disabilities is it generally a consensus of um this is disgusting, this is horrible, how would you, why would you say something like that? Or is it a consensus of, um, oh, I didn't realise that this is how people spoke to people with disabilities? I think it's a combination because I think a lot of the time when I 
will sort of talk about it people will be like oh my god i had no idea that this was this was going on and then uh, followed by that is is outrage and disgust mm-hmm. um and i think it's it is i and then you you will also get people commenting like well you posted your body online so you basically oh. deserve this and and i think it's obviously far too complicated for these people to understand that say these things it's far too complex apparently but um i think it's just because you post a picture on your social media online doesn't mean that anyone else is entitled to to say these horrible things about you i mean and then people will be like oh well it's social media blah 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 and it's like okay but this this goes against guidelines <laughs> so yeah, I think it's it's definitely, definitely hard being a creator with a disability online. Um, but I think my main thing is that I just carry on out of spite, I guess. <laughs> and I'm glad for one that you do, because as much as this is horrific, um, and I was going to say for lack of a better word, but I don't think there is a better word. I think it is horrific that, that mm. people feel that they can say this way. But the messages that you do put out there about um accessibility about um inherent ableism in the system about Mm. the fact that disabled people have sex and they have a wonderful time doing so and that is perfectly okay really is is so beneficial to so many people so thank you very much for doing that thank you so much taught me a lot um generally have you found that um like Stepping away from the the much 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 darker side of fetishization, like of of random anonymous individuals on the internet, mm-hmm. have you found that in the past with uh, partners that you've like had or that you that people have wanted to get with you because of your disability as opposed to because you're a phenomenal glorious individual? Um, I don't think I've had that. No, which I'm quite lucky. I mean, a lot of my partners, I will. It's rare that I meet someone through dating apps purely because they're really difficult to navigate when you're disabled. And I think that I've, it's almost been, I've got with people because they've wanted to get with me and then they've learned about disability through me. Um, that's more my experience, which I guess is quite lucky. So <laughs> No, that's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Completely not because I'm, I, I, like I said, the more people I speak to, the more I realize that there are people that are like they have there's some really i I don't really want to say evil um, but i will say Mm. like self-centered individuals out there who have a tick list and they're like okay they're like here's my tick list of sexual conquests and that dynamic of being like okay i want to sleep with somebody who's got a disability um, yeah. and i've definitely met unfortunately uh met people out there who who are disabled friends of mine who are in wheelchairs and stuff and they're like yeah that, that happens like i've definitely mm-hmm. been with people that yeah. are like yes fantastic now i've slept with a disabled person i don't have to do that again mm-hmm. and i'm like what is that what what is that entire it's mindset bizarre. it's it is mind-blowing. It is absolutely mind-blowing. Yeah. But then maybe, maybe, Rue, we're just too woke. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe. <laughs> we maybe. actually have basic respect for human beings. Um, what a concept, eh? <laughs> I know, I know. Who'd have thunk it, right? Jesus, wow. <laughs> um, okay, so in regards to, like, sex education as 
a disabled person, what would you say to people that have either just discovered the fact they've um, got a disability or have become disabled through some kind of accident or what have you? Is there is there anything that you would like to say to those people? Um, I'm not, in fact, I'm not even yeah. going to influence or, or sway that. I'm just going to openly <laughs> leave that as an open question for you to answer however you will. Yeah, I mean, I guess I've got a few things. The first thing I would say is if you use, if you're, if you found out you're, that you're disabled and you're coming to terms with it or you're wanting to accept it, I would, if you use social media, the first thing I would do is to follow disabled accounts. I'm not saying that as a plug because there's many, many disabled people that are online um, who post wonderful things. And I think online social media is about curating your own experience and doing that by diversifying your feed and by, having posts coming up from people that are experiencing similar things can just be so unifying and the online disabled community is absolutely fantastic i think they will have your back through through like thick and thin and that's one of the main main support systems for me is meeting people online um in the disabled community i think the other thing is um that mobility aids are not a hindrance they're not a bad thing and often we're taught that they are um but mobility aids whether it's walking stick whether it's even a pair of glasses whether it's a wheelchair anything like that all of those things are there to give you your freedom and they're wonderful um and i would also recommend getting jazzy dressing them up like nice ones with fairy lights and styling them to your outfits because that just makes it a lot easier mm-hmm. um I and that. I think the other, the last thing that I would say is just that you are not a burden um, and you deserve to be able to access the world um, that everyone else can access. And I think that's something that we're all still fighting for, but you deserve that, whether it's not there or not yet. Um, so, yeah, that's what I'd say, I think. I think one of the most poignant things, I talked about this a little while ago, one of the most poignant things that has ever been said to me by somebody with a disability was, it's not my disability that makes me disabled, it's the rest of the world. And mm-hmm. I was like, that that's I never even considered that. It's society mm-hmm. and the way that we treat disabled people that make them disabled, not yeah. their disability, um, which is mind-melting when you, when you think about it. Um, yeah. I'm also going to take this. Yeah. Oh, no, no, you go. No, I was just going to say, because it's it's like wild to me to think that if everywhere was accessible, the, the difference in how my life would be, because I would be able to access the world in in my own way. And it's it's baffling to think that. Um, but yeah, just hopefully things improve in the next few years. <laughs> we can keep our fingers crossed. And this is actually, I'm going to take this opportunity as a reminder to all of you people, regardless of um, your disability, your ethnicity, your sexual proclivities, whatever the scenario, this is your opportunity to take a moment to look at your um, social media feeds and um, think about whether they're diverse. Think about the people that you follow. Think about whether you need to follow some more disabled creators, um, some more ethnically diverse creators, because that was another thing to me that was like it wasn't I wasn't aware of how uh, single dynamic my um my actual social media feed was until it was pointed out to me and I was like oh my god I don't follow enough disabled creators I don't follow enough uh, ethnically diverse creators I need to really go out of my way to find people that gel with me cuz they there's plenty of people out there do you know what I mean 
that gel with me on levels that I really identify with, that do provide me with some diversity, that means that I can learn more about different cultures and different people's lifestyles and different people's um, perspectives on life and experiences of life. So here's your reminder, friends. Here's your reminder. That's fantastic. Um, thank you so much, Drew, for coming and joining me. I really, really appreciate it and, um, and, and coming and talking and having this conversation and being so open with me. Uh, where can people find you? Thank you so much for having me. I've had the loveliest time. Thanks for everyone to listening to me as well. Just ramble on because I I do love talking about these things. Um, I am on. I my handle is uh, Roll with Rue. You can find me on Twitch, Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. Um, and yeah, I post pretty much sort of similar stuff to what we've been talking about today. Um, uh, with occasionally pictures of my cat and my dog so <laughs> yay we yay. love pets pets are great i've just got some crabs and they're <gasps> ridiculous um <laughs> they're just so ridiculous um i'm also going to take that. this opportunity to let everyone know that i will be posting if you're if you're wanting to follow root i will also be putting it down in the description of this youtube video or if you're listening to the podcast i'll be putting it down in the description for that as well um, so that it's all very easy to find uh, Rue. Uh, please, please, please go and give them a follow because uh, they're glorious and they talk about all the kind of stuff that I love and appreciate, you know. So, again, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. 